We're going to try to figure out what the Lord wants in this message today. Not that I haven't studied or prayed, but uh, I wrote a booklet on this subject, Provoke Not Your Children to Anger, with about 15 pitfalls that I may have next week. I haven't had time to get it copied, but I may have it out next Sunday. There's a book in my library. It's called The Heart of Anger. It's got about 15 a list of 15, so that's 30 points right there, and we don't have time for 30 points, and uh, we're going to have each of these fathers uh, pray for their children, I'm going to pray, so I'm going to try to hit the essence this morning, and, and by the way, pray for me, because uh, we're in this section in Ephesians 6, the first four, first four verses, and I want to know how, how long the Lord wants me to stay there in this section, how many sermons to have in this section. It'll be definitely more than just this one. So be praying with me as far as uh, what the Lord's will is, as far as preaching in these first four verses. Now, two times in the Bible, uh, God tells us that uh, he speaks specifically to fathers, uh, but I think there are times that uh, mothers... Uh, are guilty too, but because of the headship of the father and the leadership of the father, and particularly his responsibility before God, uh, God says, fathers, uh, provoke not your children to wrath. And uh, in Colossians, when it uh, says, provoke not your children to wrath, you'll see it's in italics, to wrath is in italics in Colossians because it's not in the original Greek but it's understood from Ephesians, uh, that's the type of thing that Paul had in mind. In Colossians, it says, provoke not your children, lest they be discouraged. And uh, a good word that I believe kind of fits what's in Ephesians and in Colossians is it's not in the King James, but I think uh, this is a good word that is along the same lines, and that is the word exasperated. Exasperated. I like that. I think that captures something of what God is trying to communicate so that children lose heart to do what's right and they don't have the uh, spirit within them because of how they're being treated or how things are being handled, how things are being conducted. Now, I believe that this is um, important as far as discipleship. I think we need to think of this terms uh, not only in terms of the family and the home, but also in terms of shepherding, whether it be elders and pastors shepherding, or whether it be you as an individual trying to help somebody else spiritually. Uh, the same type of principles we're going to talk about as far as provoking children to wrath, uh, you can provoke others to wrath in trying to shepherd them if you don't shepherd them in the proper way. So much bigger much bigger uh, concept here, and all of us need to understand these principles. Now, over the years, uh, I've learned a lot about the principle of authority, and uh, there's so much in the Bible about the principle of authority. The whole context of what we're looking at in Ephesians is this idea of submission, if you were to go back to chapter 5, verse 21, and it talks about the filling of the Holy Spirit, and it gives four evidences of a person that's filled with the Holy Spirit. 
And one evidence that we are filled with the Holy Spirit is this matter of submitting ourselves one to another in the fear of our Lord. So in terms of the authority, uh, all of us need to understand that we're under authority to the Lord Jesus Christ together. And so fathers uh, who have the headship in the home, leadership in the home, fathers need accountability with other fathers. God doesn't want us to be long, long rangers, you know, because if we have a tendency to be long rangers, we go to extremes. We go too far, and uh, we need accountability in the body of Christ to balance each other out uh, so that somebody knows, you know, uh, what's really going on in your family, what's really going on in your home. That's what the Church of Jesus Christ is all about. Uh, and so we're in this context where the wives are to submit to the husbands and the children are to obey their parents and the servants are to uh, submit to their masters. So we're in the whole context of submitting, and I believe it's very important for a father and mother right from the beginning to understand as the centurion, the Lord said when he was talking about this authority structure principle, and if we're going to get this authority structure principle right, and the Lord said this centurion had more faith than he had seen of anybody in Israel. And when the centurion identified himself, as far as the authority structure goes, he did not say, I am a man in authority. What did he say? He said, I am a man under authority. And that's the starting place for successful parenting. Fruitful parenting. That's the starting place for discipleship. That's the starting place for shepherding as a pastor or an elder. And basically what you do in the home with your family is the same thing elders and pastors do in the church. Principles are the same. That's why God talks about in the qualifications for leadership in the church. You know, it talks about a man should be able to rule his own family well so he can know how to rule the church family in the right way. Principles are the same, and uh, same way in any type of leadership position. Now, over the years of this uh, understanding of the authority principle, uh, I've still gaining understanding and observing and seeing that there is the potential for the abuse with those that have authority. And we don't talk about it too much, but it's definitely a problem. That uh, those who have authority misuse the authority. They, they use the authority in a way that God never intended. And uh, God did not intend for a person in authority to use his position for his own gain or his own pleasure or his own benefit. One, one time they asked the Lord, they, uh, I don't know. I think they were arguing, the apostles were arguing about, you know, who's going to be great in God's kingdom. We all want to make significant contributions to God's kingdom. God tells us to seek ye first the kingdom of God. It should be a primary focus in, in what we do. And so here are the apostles, they wanted to be great in God's kingdom. And they were arguing about it, and the Lord said, uh, I'm going to paraphrase now, but the Lord said, what makes you great in God's kingdom is not how many people serve you. 
The purpose of authority is not so you can get people to serve you for your own gain, your own pleasure, your own comfort, your own benefit. The purpose of the authority structure is so that you, as the one in authority, can serve others. And the Lord said, if you want to be great in God's kingdom, you've got to learn how to be the servant of how many people? All people. So that uh, the one in authority does not see himself as uh, beating the sheep to get the benefits for his own gain, the one in authority leads the sheep by his example of servanthood, truly concerned about their needs. There's a scripture in Hebrews 12, for instance, and it talks a whole section there about discipline. And it talks about as earthly parents, we discipline for our own gain, our own pleasure, I think the King James word is. And uh, I think we need to be, um, you know, I think God's given us a hint there about one of the dynamics of proper discipline. Because when God disciplines us, it's for our gain. Amen? When God disciplines us, it's for our gain. And so the goal of discipline is not so much that the kids are an irritation, and i got to do something about this irritation, for my gain. So I'll be more at peace with myself. No, I need to be concerned about their needs. Amen? I need to be concerned about their needs and not what irritation they may be causing me. And I think God gives us a hint there in Hebrews 12. There's a whole section there about discipline. Now, when it comes to this abuse of authority, I believe that's why God gives us this whole idea of provoke not your children to Wrath. Uh, there can be an abusive use of authority, a wrong use of authority, a misuse of authority, which crushes people. It doesn't help people. It doesn't grow people. It discourages people when uh, somebody in authority misuses it in the wrong way. And God help us all. God help us all. I was thinking as I was praying my way through this message, uh, one of the hopes that I have as I see it in the Bible, because I don't know any parents that are doing it perfect. I know every parent wishes I could do it over again. Amen? God, God, help help us all here, because we're all trying to get this. We're trying to grasp this. And hindsight, you know, is always better than foresight. And uh, God is not waiting for perfect parents to get the job done. Amen? He's not waiting for perfect parents. If there's one thing I want to accomplish here uh, about you as parents and grandparents and discipling and shepherding is I want you to have a rest in your spirit. Because of a scripture in Proverbs i have you turn over there, Proverbs 20. <clears throat> and <clears throat> this is not the only reason there's an abuse in authority and uh, uh, using authority in the wrong way or using your position in the wrong way, but I believe this is a major reason. 
This is a foundational reason, and I believe this is one that we all need to give attention to. As parents, as pastors, as elders, as disciples, as shepherds, that we would know how to shepherd in the same way the hymn talks about, Savior, like a shepherd, lead us. Much we need thy harsh care. And I don't know any parent that doesn't struggle with that harshness. Because we got the flesh within us. we got the sin nature within us. I don't know that there's ever a time that you can be a perfect parent and not have to confess to God, God, I handled that with the wrong spirit. I handled that with the wrong attitude. And I communicated something to my children that's not of you. It doesn't matter whether I was right or wrong about the issue. Did I communicate to my children a correct perception of God? And to me, this is the master principle. This is the master principle of parenting is that sons and daughters have a correct perception of who God is. Because God's their Savior, not the parents. Amen? And so many times, there's a breakdown in the home. Uh, Many times, multiple times, there's a breakdown in the home. And so sons and daughters get the wrong perception of God, and it wreaks havoc, havoc with their spiritual life with God. And we need to be concerned about it. More important than what people think of us as parents is our concern that our children have a right understanding of who God is. It's a lot more important that I not be concerned about my name and what are people going to think of me as a parent. What I need to be concerned about is God's name. Amen? God's name. Is he being properly represented? Now, what gives me hope here is... In the Old Testament, there were the good kings and the bad kings. And you see that record in Chronicles and Samuel and so forth. And there was a good king. He brought revival to the land. And then his son turned out to be what? A bad king. And then it was all the devastation of the bad king. And all the terrible things that happened with a king in authority, misusing his authority and so forth. And then... His son, the bad king's son, was a good son, a good king. Now, that gives me hope. What that lets me know is no son or daughter is at the mercy of their parents. Because there are no perfect parents. Amen? There are no perfect parents. And God gives grace to a child. God gives grace to a teenager. No matter what your uh, experience has been with your parents, God will give you grace to overcome whatever your life experience has been. You don't have to say, well, if only I had better parents, I could be who I should be in my relationship with God. God will give you grace. 
God will give you wisdom. God will give you understanding. He'll, he'll help you sort it out because the Lord Jesus is your shepherd. He's a perfect shepherd, and he knows how to uh, reveal to you what life is all about regardless of the mistakes that your parents have made. So I see great hope in, in God giving to any person the ability to be what they're supposed to be because nobody will be able to stand before God and say, well, God, I would have been a better person, but... Or would have been more godly except and then start blaming the president or blaming the pastor or blaming their parents or blaming the evil days in which we live or whatever it might be. None of us will be able to blame anybody for who we are and what we are. Amen? We're all accountable to God. We will give an account to God. And so there's hope for any person that will truly humble themselves no matter what their environment has been as far as a life situation with their family and but at the same time we parents uh, need to understand these principles so that we can uh, have an environment that's godly that's wholesome that's healthy now uh, the scripture to me that kind of captures the essence of what i feel i'd like to get across today is in proverbs 20 verse 2 and it talks about the fear of a king and if the, there was one point I wanted to get across about uh, why children are provoked to wrath, I believe it's because uh, this is a major foundational reason why there's an abuse of authority. That's why, why there's an exercise of abuse with, a, with authority is because the king has insecurities and fears. The king himself has insecurities and fears. And anybody that's operating with fear and insecurities is going to make some bad judgments. They're going to come across in the wrong way. They're going to be, they're they're not at peace within themselves. They're not at rest within themselves. And if you're not at rest within yourself, if you're uh, uh, not, uh, like it says in the, the New Testament, it says that God has a rest for his people. Amen? The best thing you can do in uh, training and nurturing and shepherding is to demonstrate to your children you have a peaceful spirit. Like, for instance, uh, a wife, it tells us in 1 Peter 3 that a wife can influence an unsaved husband or a husband not obeying the word by her spirit. By having what kind of spirit? A meek and a quiet spirit. Well, a quiet spirit is one that's not living with the insecurity of fear. But here in Proverbs, it says, the fear of a king is like what? The roaring of a lion. Now, there's harshness there. And the reason why the king is harsh is because of his own insecurities with fear. You can't shepherd properly if you're living in anxiety of fear and worry and stress and all that. Uh, I mean, if you're going to love your children properly, uh, if I'm going to love our children properly, you know, perfect love, understanding God's love for me and living in the reality of God's love for me, what does perfect love do? It casts out what? 
cast out all fear. And so if I'm motivated, motivated by fear, fear of what people think of me as a dad, fear of what my children think of me if I try to discipline them properly, or fear of will I be able to be a successful parent or a good parent, you know, all these anxieties of insecurity, then there's no basis for loving, shepherding, shepherding leadership. And uh, furthermore, not only will that type of king provoke those under his authority, but you've got to be very careful if you're under that type of person's authority of you provoking him to authority. It's like the sons and daughters are walking on eggs with their dad because they know his spirit. And they have to be so careful they don't cause him to roar. Least little thing sets him off, and he's, you know, got an angry spirit or a condemning spirit or a critical spirit. And uh, one of the things that's so important in training and discipline and shepherding and discipling is that every one of us needs to learn how to give the proper affirmation to those that we shepherd. The scripture tells us that those in authority have two responsibilities. To make sure proper discipline is carried out, punish those who do evil, right? We usually do pretty good with that. You know, if you do something wrong, you have to be disciplined. But that's not the end of it. The other side of it is, if you're a person with leadership responsibility, you're supposed to not only make sure proper discipline is there when wrong is there, but it also says praise what? Praise those who do well. And uh, a lot of times we're so focused on, uh, like for instance, I'm sure every, most parents have had this happen. You get a compliment about your children from somebody else. And what are you thinking in your mind? What are you thinking? Are you sure you're talking about, are you sure you're talking about my children? Because we're so focused on the negatives. We're so focused on petty things. We're straining at a net and swallowing a camel so many times as to what God is doing. And children and sons and daughters and people that are being shepherded and discipled, they need affirmation, positive affirmation. And there's many things they are doing well they need to be properly praised for. Amen? For every part of, uh, of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, rebuking or admonishing or disciplining, for one part of that, it needs to be ten part of praise. And don't put them together. Don't praise them right before you discipline them. That's a bologna sandwich. (laughs) It's not going to work. Not going to work. You got to praise them genuinely. And, and make sure the affirmation is there on a continual basis, continual basis, continual basis. And then you're laying the groundwork for proper times of discipline. And uh, there's much in the scriptures about that. I mean, two times, two times our father spoke from heaven and affirmed his son. And our example of being a, a, a father is God the Father. Amen. And two times in the scriptures in the New Testament, he said, this is my 
beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And we need to make sure our children know how pleased we are with them. It doesn't mean they're doing everything right, but neither are we. We're not doing everything right. So that's a very important uh, principle, and that's why I like the character quality sheets and, and being able to know what the character definitions are so we can praise when we see a particular character quality being manifested, we can praise them for that character quality. Not so much for their performance, but for their character. Because one guy may make a C, another guy may make an A. The guy who got the C may have worked harder to get the C than the guy that got the A. So you want praise for the character, not so much the performance. And that encourages everybody. That encourages everybody because if you praise a son or daughter for their thoroughness in sweeping the floor... Are they going to need thoroughness when they sit down to do their music lesson? Are they going to need thoroughness when they do their math assignment? If you praise the character, it helps with all the responsibilities that are going on. It's just like a big multiplying effect. Now, with that said, I want to say again how important the first three chapters of Ephesians are. I've said it already several times. I want to say it again. Because you can't jump right into Ephesians 6 and focus on provoke not your children to wrath if you don't especially understand the first chapter of Ephesians. And I think so many times we kind of just kind of segregate it. In the first chapter of Ephesians, it talks about how parents or any person can know they have acceptance with God through Jesus Christ. So you're not insecure. You're not insecure. You're not living in fear. You know you have acceptance with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. Now that frees you up to minister. That frees you up to serve. That frees you up to parent in the proper way. If you're not sure if you have acceptance with God and you're trying to gain acceptance with God by your parenting skills, you're in big time trouble. You've got to know you have acceptance with God so you can parent in the proper way. Amen? And I could just go on and on and on in Ephesians 1 about redemption, adoption, forgiveness. One place in chapter 1 it says that God abounds to us his wisdom and his prudence. Has God given me the mind of his son, Jesus Christ. Otherwise, Paul would never have said in Philippians, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. So we've got to be parenting from a position of security. We've got to be grandparenting from a position of security. We've got to be discipling and shepherding from a position of security. And if you have that security in your relationship with God, then you're not on a works system in parenting. Because if you're on a works system in parenting, you're trying to gain merit. You're trying to gain favor. And the spirit of that, if you're trying to gain merit or gain favor with God because you're doing a good job, then it's going to backfire on you. The only acceptance we have with God is through the atoning work of Jesus Christ and his resurrected, ascended, glorified life. 
And if I have that security, if I know I have acceptance with God, then I have the basis of properly representing God to others. Now, here's a scripture for you, another scripture in Proverbs. And it says, uh, you talk about um, the father provoking their sons and daughters to wrath. It talks about in Proverbs, it says, um, make no friendship with what kind of a man? An angry man. Because if you're around an angry man, uh, if you're not very careful and a lot of, a lot of grace from God, what will you pick up? You'll pick up the same spirit, same attitude. That's why as sons and daughters, you never want to say, I'll never be like my dad. I'll never be like my mom. I'll never be like my parents. What happens is once you make your parents the standard, you evaluate how you're doing by your parents. And you don't want to evaluate how you're doing by your parents. Jesus Christ is the standard. God's word is the standard. Because this, I believe that uh, when God says that the iniquity of the fathers is passed on to the third and fourth generation, the reason why I think it takes three or four generations to come out of it is because one generation is too strict and the sons and daughters say, I will never be like my parents. So their generation is too what? Too lax. They go to the other extreme because we're making the focus the previous generation. And it takes three or four generations to really get it all cleared out. We need to keep our focus on the Lord himself and the truth of his word. And what does God say about who he is? And especially... Our Heavenly Father. Now, I want you to turn to one more scripture. I'm going to bring this to a close. We'll pick back up up on this next Sunday. John chapter 5. I'm sure uh, you've heard the philosophy of uh, some parents who say, Don't do as I do. Don't do as I do because we parents are very much aware of our infirmities and very much aware of our shortcomings and very much aware of our failures and very much aware of our faults. And so we want the best for our sons and daughters. And so we say, don't do as I do, do as I say do. Now, is that going to work? It's not going to work. One reason it's not going to work is because of that little phrase that says, your walk talks and your talk talks, but your walk talks louder than your talk talks. And Christianity is more caught than it is taught. That's why I believe that Jesus didn't, there were occasions the Lord says, sit down and let me teach you. But basically when he talked about discipleship, he said, follow me. Spend time with me. Watch how I handle situations. Watch how I respond to situations. And by being with me and watching me, it will be a classroom of life. Amen? Because you can get it in your head in the classroom of the desk, but still not have it in your life. Amen? That's why it says in Deuteronomy, teach these things to your children. When? When you have devotions with them in the morning. And then they're good for the rest of the day. 
No, it says, teach these things to your children when? When they rise up, when they sit down, when they go to bed. It's like you're, you're teaching all the time. There's never a time you're not teaching because it's a way of life. It's a way of life. And your example and my example is very important. And this is what I believe the Lord Jesus speaks of in John 5. He says, verse 19, he's speaking of, the Lord is speaking of his relation to his father. He says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the son can do nothing of himself but what? What he sees the father do. Now, I believe there's a principle there. The son can do nothing of himself but what he sees the father do. The best way I can teach anybody to pray is to spend time with them while we pray. Amen? The best way I can teach anybody to witness is to spend time with me when we witness. Right? We're not just talking about academically getting something or intellectually getting something. We're talking about a way of life. And so our example, one of the things that scares me in the Bible is how many times Paul referred to him. He said, follow me, follow me. He said, the things that you've seen in me and learned of me and heard of me, he says, imitate those things. Now, that's an awesome thing to say. Right? But Paul said it over and over and over again because he knew to teach Christianity, you had to be living Christianity. Amen? you had you got to be living it as well as teaching it. And it's so important when it comes to parenting. In Deuteronomy 6, when it says, teach these things to your children... It says it's got to first be in the parent's heart. And it says, these things that I've given you have got to be in your heart, which means it's got to be in your life. It's got to be in your life. Otherwise, you can't teach them all day long because you don't have time to prepare a Bible study on everything that comes along. Amen? You don't have time to prepare a lesson on... I mean, there's so many things that comes your way that you don't know what's coming next. You've got to have God's Word hidden in your heart. Amen? And so that's how this, this is just uh, some of the principles here. Now, we're going, basically I'm trying to say example, example, example. And what do we communicate by our own life? Not just what we say, but what we do. So important. All right, let's pray together and then we'll we'll sing this hymn and have our uh, parents come up that are dedicating their children today. And if you have your bulletins, we're going to have you as a congregation join with us in this uh, dedication time. And the portion that you will be saying, uh, yes, I will come alongside these parents. It's in your bulletin so you can read over that and uh, join with us as we dedicate these children together. Let's pray together. Now, Father, we just kind of getting started here this morning. And I pray enable us as a church to understand what it means to provoke not children to wrath, and especially, I pray, to give us wisdom about this abusive use of authority. I pray about it, Father, because I know we're living in a day where there's much discussion about it, and there's uh, all kind of different takes on it, all kind of different views on it. I pray for wisdom. 
I pray for understanding. I pray for discernment. I pray you'd make it plain. Pray you'd make it sure so that all of us can be like the good shepherd, the Lord Jesus, in our parenting. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.